Thanks for listening to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. Our prayer is that today's message will challenge and inspire you to pursue Jesus and to love people to life. Hey everybody, we're going to be starting a brand new series found out of Luke 2 verse 10 called Good News of Great Joy. Let me read that for you real quick. It says, do not be afraid. This is an angel speaking. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. So if you would uh, just turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 7, 14. I'll give you a moment to get there. Isaiah 7, 14. In the NIV, this is what I have for the entire the entire sermon. Uh, it's, it reads this. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now this name only shows up three times in the entire Bible. Two times in the Old Testament and once in the New Testament. Emmanuel means God is with us or God with us. This is what the title of, of the sermon is for this week. Isaiah prophesies that a virgin will give birth to a son and the son will be called Emmanuel or God with us. In the Gospel of Matthew, we find the only passage in the entire New Testament uh, with this name. Now, if you'll turn your Bible to Matthew 1, 18 to 23, it's Matthew 1, 18 to 23. Um, I'll give you a moment to get there real quick. Right? And this is what that says. It says, uh, starting in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. So now this is how we know that Isaiah was prophesying about Jesus, right? So there's only one person in the entire Bible with a virgin birth. And that was Jesus Christ himself. Right? Emmanuel, God with us, was a promise that God will always be with his people. Jesus was that promise come true. And Jesus, was, who has now come into the world, now dwells within his people to save them and act as a sign that God is with us always. Now we ask ourselves, why does it matter that Jesus came? Why does it matter? Now, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Colossians 1, 15-29, and this is where the rest of the uh, sermon will go, um, I will read that for you real quick. First, uh, one, uh, sorry, Colossians 1, 15 through 29. All right, starting in verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. 
If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake uh, of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by commission, by the commission God gave me to present you, to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles uh, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone uh, fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Amen. All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord, I'm just so thankful, uh, God, that you um, will allow me to just uh, to, to preach this message, God. And I just pray that uh, the words that I speak, they would be of you, that you would guide my mouth, would guide my mind, and that this word that I have, that it would touch at least one person. Um, and they would walk away from this knowing something more about you and what it means to have uh, Christ within us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So before we go any further, I just want to give a little bit of background. Um, one of the, one of the, a little bit of background about the, uh, the, the book of Colossians here. Well, see, one of the major issues facing the Colossian uh, church was a heretical teaching. Uh, false teachers or Gnostics from Gnosticism, um, as they call them, uh, taught that all matter was evil, right? Therefore, God couldn't mix with anything material. So um, in, their, in their minds, God didn't create this world and had no contact with it, right? They taught that God instead out of himself brought aeons, they, they call them, or emanations. Uh, each emanation had a little less of God and they were more distant from him. They taught at the end of the string of emanations, there was one who had enough deity to make a world, uh, but was also far enough removed so as not to taint the purity of God. So this lesser power or lesser emanation was ignorant and hostile to God. Emanations were thought to inhabit the stars and rule man's destiny. Therefore, they were worthy to be worshipped in a sense. Um, so to them, to these Gnostics, um, they thought that Christ was, was not this triumphant redeemer who, to whom all authority in heaven and on earth had been given, right? To them, he was just another one of these emanations that, that bridged the gap between God and man. Paul's purpose for writing Colossians was threefold right here. Number one, it was to express his personal interest in the church. Uh, number two, to warn against reverting to their old vices. And number three, to refute the false teaching that was threatening the Colossian church, which will be our focus here. So do we truly understand who Jesus is? In verse 15, Colossians 1.15, it says, the son, of, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, I want to, I want to talk about two words, uh, just two words in this, in this short uh, verse here. And the first one is image or icon in, uh, in Greek. Now, there are two ideas behind this word image. Um, number one, likeness. It says, like the image or on a coin or a reflection in a mirror. You are, you are a representative of what is being depicted. The second idea is manifestation. Christ is the image of God in the sense that the nature and being of God are perfectly revealed in him or Christ. If God is in, it, so if God is invisible, Christ is our way of seeing God. The second word is, is this word firstborn. 
or I might butcher this, uh, but in Greek it's prototokos or something. Prototokos, that's what it is. At first glance, this word would make it seem like Christ was was born, right? Um, so if I, if I were to say Christ was the firstborn, it sounds like I'm saying that Christ was born. However, Paul uses this word in, in Colossians figuratively to mean that Christ existed before creation, meaning he always was, always was, and always existed, and always will exist, right? It's this, it's this big theological word called pre-existence. See, Jesus is, is the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn denotes two things, priority in, name, in time and supremacy in rank. Therefore, Christ is before all creation and time, and he is also over it in rank and dignity. Christ is supreme. Christ is Lord. Right? Amen? Let's continue. Verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. You see... Christ is Lord over everything because he created all. He created it all. He made it all, right? Creation is in him in the sense that it occurred with, within him and his power. He caused creation to happen. The act of creation rested in him, right? Through him in the sense that he was the mediating agent in which creation came into existence. For him in the sense that all things exist for him, the goal for which all things were intended to move was towards Christ. In verse 17, Christ holds all things together. This means that he is the personal sustainer of all creation. Right? Verse 18, Christ is the head of the church. Church means all redeemed people of God. All, all the redeemed people of God. Christ is the leader and sovereign. And he shares this position with no one else. So Jesus wasn't just some man. Right? He was God Himself, who always existed. Jesus was, is, and would always be the image of God. He existed before creation. In Him, through Him, and for Him, all things were created. And Jesus is the head of the church. Amen? Do we understand why Jesus came, though? Well, let's read on. Colossians 1 19 through 20. Verse 19 says, uh, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, in Christ, nothing of God is lacking. Through Christ, he, he re reconciled all things by dying for us on the cross. That's powerful. Now, this doesn't mean that all things will be saved, right? We know that. But the opportunity for salvation came to all people through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Jesus came to reconcile the hopeless. If you're taking notes, Jesus came to reconcile the hopeless. Verse 21 through 22. I'll say that one more time. Jesus came to reconcile the hopeless. All right. Uh, verse 21. Um, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. This word alienated, I want to point to that real quick. It means something. It literally meant transferred to another owner. 
Think about that. It carried the meaning of estrangement, alienation. We belong to God, but because of sin in our life and because of evil in the world, we belong to another owner. So originally we belong to God, but because of sin, we now belong to somebody else. Right? Scripture teaches that all mankind was without hope and against God. It teaches that we were his enemies because of the evil in our hearts. Right? We were hostile. We were hostile towards God. This affected our minds, right? And it was expressed outwardly through our evil behaviors. Ephesians 2.3 says, All of us also lived among them at one point or one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of, of wrath. That's what the Bible says. And in Romans 6.23a, it says, For the wages of sin is death. See, mankind needed saving, right? Most of mankind didn't know. Most of mankind still doesn't know. But God, right? But good news came to us, right? Jesus has reconciled all of us through death, through his death on the cross, right? Romans 5, 6 through 8 says this. It says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's incredible. You see, God loved us while we were still in the state uh, so much that he chose to die for us. Right? He didn't want us to be alienated from him anymore. Right? He didn't want us to belong to anyone else but him. He loved us despite ourselves. Even as an enemy with our minds set against him, he loved us. He's making us holy and no one can accuse us now. That's what the, that's, what, that's what the Bible says. We are free from blemish or stain. That's awesome. Jesus came so that you could stand firm. All right. Next point there. Jesus came so that you can stand firm. And that's out of verse 23. One more time. Jesus came so that you can st uh, stand firm. If you continue in your faith, verse 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature unto heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. There's no hope found in anything else but Jesus Christ. No hope. So there's a requirement to be met here, right? I'm going to underline that word if, right? If means all of what is about to be said then the former will be true, right? So it's like, if, if, this, if this is true, then this will happen, right? We will be free from blemish and accusation if we continue in our faith, right? There's three words that I want to point here to, and I'm sorry, you know, I got a lot of words that I, you know, I just wanted to point out, but I really thought that this was super powerful. So three words. Um, the first one is continue here. Right? Continue means to remain or persevere. We must persevere or remain in this faith. Okay. Establish the second word. It means to lay a foundation. Right? We must build a foundation upon the hope found in Jesus Christ alone. And the last word, firm, it means to be steadfast or conclude with conviction. Right? We must not sway back and forth, but we must continue in Jesus Christ. 
So if we were hopeless without Jesus, we must understand that without Jesus, we will still be hopeless, right? So there's nothing, there's nothing else by which salvation comes. Nothing else. We can't put trust in money. We can't put trust in people, right? We can't put trust in anything else but Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. Amen. Next point. Jesus came to be with us so that he could dwell within us. Verse 24 to 27. Jesus came to be with us so that he could dwell within us. And one more time, if you're taking notes. Jesus came to be with us so that he could dwell within us. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Again, this is Colossians 1, verse 24 to 27. Now I will rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Paul talks about his sufferings here in the light of the gospel. Um, These sufferings were uh, for the the immediate interest of the Colossian church that he's speaking to. But it's also for us, the reader, right? Because if Paul didn't suffer the way he did, if Paul didn't go to jail, he most likely wouldn't have written this letter and we wouldn't have gotten a chance to read it or hear what he had to say. The phrase, what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions, does not mean that Christ's sacrifice was lacking in anything at all. See, because his sacrifice wasn't lacking at all, right? Instead, we should understand that we are united in Christ's sufferings. We still do suffer here on earth just as Christ suffered. But that's not our end, right? Because there's good news. Though we suffer here, Paul writes, of this mystery, right? Quotation mark, mystery. This mystery that Paul talks about is Christ within us. See, Jesus came to dwell within us, all right? This indwelling was to allow us to realize the certainty of salvation through Jesus Christ. Certainty, right? If Christ is indeed within us, we can be absolutely certain of his saving power for us, right? We don't just sit there and and think like, oh, well, Jesus might have saved me. No, you can be certain that Jesus Christ saved you if you believe in him, right? God's promise is fulfilled to us in that Emmanuel is here. God with us is Christ within us, right? And Christ within us means we are saved completely. Just because we suffer on earth doesn't take away from the certainty of his salvation in us. Amen? We are saved if we believed and trust in him. That's good news. It's really good news. The best news. Next one. Uh, Jesus came to be with us so that you can tell others. Right? Verse 28 to 29. Colossians 1, 28 to 29. Uh, again, I'll say that again for those of you taking notes. Jesus came to be with us so that we can tell others. And one more time. Jesus came to be with us so that we can tell others. All right? Verse 28. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works within me. Just as Paul proclaimed the gospel, we also have a part to play. Amen. Christ didn't just come into the world so we can you know, be saved and sit comfortably in our homes. You know, 
There's work to be done. He came so that we would be saved, yes, but also tell other people about the good news. And that's the part we play, no matter what we do. If Christ is in you, our attitude should be the same as Paul's here. It says, to strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in us. Okay, We should strive to tell people about Jesus and what he's done for us every chance we get. We should continue to work hard, right? There are many more people that don't know who Jesus is. And that's our responsibility. So our job now is to spread the gospel, just as Jesus commanded in Matthew 28, 9-20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Guys, I'm going to end here. But remember, Jesus Christ is, is Emmanuel. He's, he is God with us. He is the promise that God made that he would be with us always. All right, We can be certain of his salvation, absolutely certain that he completely saved us. And now our job is to go and to spread this gospel to the world. All right? Thanks so much for listening. Hope you guys have a great Sunday. Goodbye. God bless.